Hello, and welcome to Alpha Podflight, the podcast where every episode we discuss a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. That intro felt like I'd missed sections out of it, but I can't. I did it too quickly to work out what they were. So I'll listen back, and I'll assume there weren't any. Um, today I'm joined by Douglas. Douglas, can you introduce yourself to any listeners who might not already be familiar with you? Yeah, I am Douglas Noble. I have been on the podcast once before, and Gareth's been on mine. Yeah. Um, I do uh, comics and all sorts of things. Um, my comic is Strip For Me. Um, yeah, and now we're going to discuss Canadian comics. Uh, we're going to discuss American comics yeah. based in yes, on Canadian true. Canada's uh, characters. Sorry, Canadian characters. <laughs> um, <laughs> Canada squared. Um, so we're going to discuss Alpha Flight number one hundred and two. We've jumped forward from my usual comfort space, um, which is back in like sixty and under, into one hundred and two. Um, it came out in. Uh, the, it's dated November 1991. Um, it is titled El Equipo Primero, Part 1. Scott Lobdell is the writer. It's his very first issue of Alpha Flight, for, for those paying attention. Tom Morgan was the penciler. Chris Ivey was the inker. Janice Chang was the letterer. Bob Sharon was the colorist. Bobby Chase was the editor. And Tom DeFalco was the editor-in-chief. Um... So uh, we'll just describe the cover quickly because I always forget it, and it doesn't bear a lot of relation to actually what happens in the comic. The, the cover certainly doesn't happen in the comic. Uh, the cover features a lady uh, in a in a alpha flight uniform who is tied to what looks like the underside of a door while acid's being poured on it. Yeah. Um, a a cut price Mephisto. I forget his name. Probably Diablo. 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 Jeez, yeah. Um, the, the Welsh devil um, <laughs> is being menaced uh, by Dia. It's Diablo. He's just been down the pub too long. Give him a chance. <laughs> He's being menaced by um, what looks like Spider-Man in his black costume, but isn't because there's an arrow pointing to him saying, "Well, there's an arrow pointing past him saying, introducing Weapon Omega." Just yeah, really pointing at his elbow. Like that's that's yeah. where the character resides in that in that right-handed elbow. Um, yeah. And it so... says family corner. You're not gonna believe the man behind the mask. And if I remember rightly, we're not gonna get the opportunity to see behind that mask. <laughs> no, because he doesn't take it off in this issue. So, um, but yeah, he does shout enough, Diablo. Can't have you killing off my team leader. Uh, which is right. a surprise because we've never seen him before. How can how can Heather Hudson be his team leader? He's he's new. So well, yeah, but when you get recruited in a new company, you've always got a team leader that you have to report to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's the cover. It's um, it's quite over the top. It's kind of hammer horrorish, a bit not exactly. Uh, what it's extreme for what it's trying to do, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. The issue itself. Um, what happens in it? What happens in it? Well, first of all, there's a Sonic the Hedgehog um, advert. Yeah, I know. It's good, isn't it? I'd noticed that just now. No, actually, it, 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 it starts in a high, um, and then it's just downhill from all there. But it begins with a melting man singing I Want to Live in America from West Side Story. Yes. And 
That's great. Actually, it begins with um, on my copy. I don't know if this is the same with yours, but the printing is just a little too inky. So what it looks like it's saying at the top is Guardiani, Vindicatori, Desquati, <laughs> North Starry, Pucky, Diamond, Lily, Winshiri, Boxy. It, uh, yeah. Now that you've pointed that out, yes, it, it does say Guardiani. So I, I assume it's now an Italian team? Uh, yeah, either that or a menu. Yeah, it's in lovely. A, an Italian restaurant. Um, but yeah, so there's a, a bunch of Hitlers uh, applauding this milk man as he sings I Want to Live in America. I think they might be South American soldiers. Possibly rather the, than Hitlers. South Let, America at the end of the World War. Let's confuse things too much. But yes, there, there's a bunch of men with moustaches in brown uniforms clapping the... Uh, the melting person in front of us uh, who's They've all got the same face, but like it's been made of plasticine and just squidged around a bit. Yeah. But I think they're supposed to be okay. Uh, so anyway, so melting man, we turn the page and lounging in a, a lovely chair made out of people, I think, mm, I think is Diablo. It's Diablo. Who is sitting very much in a position that reminds me of Mephisto when he first turned up in um, Silver Surfer. Right. Um, and he's just complaining that he's not being entertained by his troops. Um, and uh, since he's become Supreme Ruler of Tierra del Maez, mm-hmm. which I'm, uh, there's my pronunciation for you. It's in South uh, America somewhere. So, uh, yeah, so yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a guy with, is he old? I mean, not so much on this page, but later on, you can kind of see the design looks like maybe a Kirby design or maybe a Dicto design. It looks like an older character. Yeah, so uh, the actual character, I think he started off in... Oh, I should have... Uh, he's been in it before, I think, has he? He No, we just skirted him. So, um, no, no, he has been in it before because they've they mentioned that they've no, met sorry, him. No, sorry, I meant the podcast. Yeah, I meant the podcast. Um, so he's in the, the Diamond Lil issues, uh, which are during the the burn run he appears in those he's right. diamond lil's husband um his character biography is that he's 2000 years old and he's a master of alchemy um, of course but i he can't remember i think he started <laughs> off as a fantastic four sorry Doug, douglas yeah yeah i was just reporting remarking on his costume he seems to have ribbons coming out of his armpits which is an, an interesting yeah. um couture choice I think he started off as a Fantastic Four villain. That would make sense. I'm pretty sure he did. Um, but yeah. So he's lounging in his people chair. He's lounging in his people chair. Within 24 uh, hours, he's got bored of... Oh, he he's tortured and murdered all 27 members of the previous regime. Yes. Um, he doesn't... He's, he says it's too early in the day to start terrorising the peasants when he gets interrupted by another one of his... Uh, um, brown-shirted fellows. Yep. He looks like he's got a car seat belt attached to the wall, but it's just an unfortunate tangent. Um, and there's there's quite a nice page after that um, where um, there's a little bit of sort of comedy back and forth, and it's it's quite nicely laid out. Yeah. Which uh, I've read Scott Lobdale comics uh, in the past, and it's nothing to do with him. So, <laughs> but we'll so, go on and- um, 
I've, I've said about so, um, Tom Morgan was a penciler and Chris Ivey was the inker. Um, I had to look up Tom Morgan because I'm not familiar with him. And apparently he's most famous for um, Punisher 2099 uh, and Captain America. Um, so he's he's of that ilk. Uh, of, I think Punisher 2099 is what he's uh, best known for. Um, and uh, because I sort of enjoyed this issue, um, regard, like again, it's liking stuff, not knowing what... like whether it's good or not. So um, mm -hmm. I went back to the previous issue um, and the art is actually more extreme than this and is definitely trying to be more like um, Bill Sinkovich. Yeah. Um, uh, and this time it's calmed down a bit, sort of nearer to Marvel House style, but it's still, the yeah, the art has got a certain um, dynamism to it, let's say. Um, yeah, there is. there's some nice cartooning, there's some nice sort of back and forth between uh, Diablo and uh, his functionary, um, which ends in the functionary essentially saying, oh, we've got some we've got some intruders on the island, um, and as bearer of bad news, he gets killed by what looks like a headache pill, mm -hmm. but uh, that causes him to explode, well, it's hard to say, but something unpleasant anyway. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, we see somebody in the jungle. That's right. Now, this is one of my big problems with the entire issue. Mm. Everybody's got a new, like, Black Ops suit on. They seem I to guess. be in some sort of stealth uniform, yeah. Yeah. Um, but everybody's got the same one on, so I had some trouble. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is where, where the um, issue warns us that it's written by Scott, Scott Lobdell. <laughs> Um, funnily enough, I've been reading Excalibur in one of those epic collections. Yeah. Um, and there is Scott Lobdell's work throughout that. And um, it's quite dull, but still written by him. There are three issues in, drawn by Mark Badger. Okay. Uh, and I can only assume that Lobdell at this point was writing Marvel style because... Those issues are so different from those around them. Yeah. That can only be attributable to the. It's, come, it's like a completely different. Yeah. Um, storytelling. Um, so, I'm guessing Tom Morgan likes a big splash splash page. Yes. Because <laughs> that's this issue is all. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So just on the Mark Badger, it's interesting because I'm sort of internet friends with him. Um, and I like his abstract stuff, but I've never actually read any of his superhero work. I've only seen him <laughs> moan about um, everybody hating it. So, um, yeah, I'll have to track down uh, some of his stuff. Excalibur issues 37 to 39. There you go. Yeah. Okay. 37 to 30. Next time it comes up on TACCON, I'll... Uh, yeah. Uh, good old uh, I'll... Doctor Doom turns up and, uh, and tries to trick them into doing some stuff in limbo. Unbelievable. Right, so talking about Limbo, we've found Heather. Uh, she Heather is... McNeil Hudson. Yes, that's her. I always talk to myself in the third person by using my full name. <laughs> I don't have a middle name, so it's, it doesn't take as long. So she says she's, taking, she's getting too old for this, uh, because of course she does. Um, she spots some um, members of the local militia, um, who are going to fire a bazooka at her 
Um, she then rushes towards them, but actually disappears several miles away. Yeah. Uh, for some, she just jumps to several miles away so she can like, attack yeah. them from behind. So this is an alpha flight thing, right? So it's um, uh, vindicate the original vindicator, James Hudson. It's one of the the powers of the suit. And it's like the first time he used it, it was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but let's see if I can um, negate the Earth's uh, the uh, Earth's gravity pull on me, and I will appear like several several hundred miles away because the Earth will have spanned, but I won't have. And it was it was dropped into one of the issue, really early issues, maybe issue one, maybe even the X Men when he turned up in that. No, it was his first ever appearance in the X Men. That's how he got away from the X Men. Attacking the picnic. When he attacked the picnic. So he, yep. he and now it's kind of like shorthand for a new writer coming on board and letting fans know that he's read Alpha Flight. Um, and the first couple of times I saw it, I was like, "That's a nice little nod." And now I've seen it here, I'm just like, "Jesus Christ, can we stop doing this?" It doesn't um, make any sense, though. Why would you appear several miles away if yeah. you're doing from It would just add extra time to your journey. It's um, yeah. So she does that. Scott Lobdell proves that he's read Alpha Flight before. He does it a few other times during the issue, um, and then when she comes back to the the soldiers, they've all been knocked out. Which isn't very impressive because she's been several miles away. Yeah. If she like appeared like just behind them, and then all of a sudden they were all knocked out, I might be more impressed. Yeah. But this could have taken, you know. Half an hour, twenty minutes. <laughs> but I mean, while she while she's doing this maneuver, she's um, opining that uh, she's on a covert mission in Tierra del wherever it is. Um, but she, uh, other women her age have babies and are on the PTA, um, and she's not sure what would be worse, like what would be fiercer. Um, it's just yeah, just a little aside about the character. I guess. I guess. Um, so, yeah. Although, why? Well, why you'd be saying anything out loud rather than thinking it? Um, yeah. This is prime. Why is there a speech bubble, not a thought bubble? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, we did miss out the X Men action figures advert, which uh, <laughs> they're particularly bad. Yeah. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> but then there's an excellent advert, very on theme, ice hockey. Bobby Orr and Eric Lindros, they join Score's winning team. I don't know what that means. No, I don't have a clue. But, you know, I was kind of like, oh, well, at least somebody's thinking Target advert. Lovely. Yeah. And that's just back to Canada. So yes. I'm, tempted, I'm tempted to say it's part of the, the thing. Um, <laughs> Possibly, yeah. So this is peace moving. This is, as you said, Scott Lobdell, this is his first issue, isn't it? Yeah. So he's clearly went, okay, this is where everything sits. I am not happy with it. I need to move this character out from where the last writer had him. Yeah. I'm going to move him off um, admin duty so he can do cartwheels. Oh, this is Puck. So, um, Puck, the short, yeah. angry man mm-hmm. who does not like um, clipboards. No. So... Um... So Winshear, who's a character I'm not familiar with at all, um, is stood in Alpha Flight headquarters, which is in Toronto, with Puck. And they've got a screen of, of 
other Alpha Flight members and a man who works for the government is saying, Puck, back in Alpha Flight number 100, you said that you would become the chief administrator. And then he says, I've, I don't like it. I'm leaving. <laughs> That's it. That's I a mean, page. He's, yeah, I mean, it's only issue 102, so he's he's not worked out his notice. He's got none of his benefits. No. He's, got, he's not going to get... Um, any kind of, he's not, he's not going to be able to apply for unemployment. <laughs> uh, no, but then I mean, if we're going to take this seriously, Puck has, uh, um, when he's first introduced to us, he lives in a tenement and has absolutely no money whatsoever and is perfectly happy to live like that. So, um, yeah, it's true to the character. But, I don't uh, know much about him, but I am I am very pleased to see that he's just got a gigantic P on his suit. Yeah. So we know who he knows. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he spins off out the door. We don't see him again for the rest of this issue. No. But he leaves Windshear in charge. Um, yeah. Oh, we find out that the government liaison is called Gunther. Oh, Gunther. Lovely. Uh, yeah, and then we find yeah. North Star who has been drinking vinegar. Okay, now, you say that. <laughs> yeah. And it does tell us his name, but he's wearing exactly the same outfit as yes. we, we saw the, the, the um, uh, Heather uh, wearing before. And we we meet him as he spits out um, a whole load of vinegar from a, a, a lake that's been transformed into a pool of vinegar yeah. by Diablo. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's hiding behind trees to watch him drink this because I guess they're like, we've tried it. It's awful. Let's at least get a giggle of it. Him doing it as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then he does a lot. He's thinking. He doesn't talk out loud. No. He just thinks to himself yeah. um, as he looks at the, the refugees uh, and, and he's like, oh, I feel bad about this, really. Um, I really want to help him, but it's, I've, I've been told not to by... By the government in Canada. Yeah. I mean, did Canada have a lot of interventionist policies? I, I kind of feel like they so probably didn't. Marvel Canada have a very advanced army. Um, they've got a lot of military might, uh, and they could kick off any minute. Uh, whereas, like real life Canada, uh, isn't. Everyone keeps their door open, and there's yeah. a friendly, a friendly smile for every occasion. Um, you'd like to think so, but based on what I've seen in their politics at the moment, they're just as bad as everybody else. Um, but yes, um, he does think about um, Diablo, Diablo, and he, he makes a point that the last time he was confronted by Alpha Flight, um, he was less cruel and less sadistic, um, which comes back, and it, it's got a little asterisk, and it says giant-sized Alpha Flight number one is actually Alpha Flight annual number one. This is this is where I'm actually starting to build up some sort of knowledge about my specialist's subject. Um, it was Alpha Flight Annual, and in that story, um, Gilded Lily haunts a house so that she can bring Diablo, uh, she can break him out of prison. I'm pretty sure Gilded Lily haunts a house is an Edward Gorey book. Oh, it's 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 actually it's very strong uh, as as Marvel annuals go because they tend to be a bit shoddy, a bit knocked off. But it's I really enjoyed it. Um, 
it's it's got the usual foibles with it, but yeah, it's good. But um, so she breaks him out of prison, and then he chickens out. He's like, "Look, thanks a lot, love, but I'd rather just do my time." And he flees back to prison rather than get beaten up. So, yeah, that's the last time he was seen by Alpha Flight. Okay. And then okay. now he's come back as a sadistic ruler of a third world country. Yeah, but he's got ribbons under his armpits for some reason, so, you know. Yeah. It's so that when he throws his arms up in the air, uh, they sort of, uh, I don't know, they make some sort of shape. Oh, well, well hopefully he'll do that. And, and he was created, true, sorry. True I've, to I've, his promise. I've Googled him. He was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So Right, he was created by Jack Kirby then. That explains the costume, yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it explains his face more than anything, <laughs> especially uh, in some of the pages coming up. Okay, over the page, and we have uh, some terrible uh, T-shirts. We'll just get past those. Oh dear. Okay, so uh, it's the man from the, it's the man with the stick from Vic Reeves' Big Night Out, painted green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's calling himself Whirlwind, which yes. is, uh, I mean. This is a very, it's a very bad page. I mean, this looks like a rushed page. There's um, everybody spilling out uh, of their panels, uh, and as such, it's kind of difficult to read what's going on in those first two. Yeah. But essentially, um, North Star is knocked over by a, a whirling green um, dervish fella yeah. with this green helmet on, who then stands with his feet hidden and and shouts at him. Um, about how great he is because he once fought the Avengers. He yes. doesn't say that he beat the Avengers. No. Which is, you know, at least he's getting his credit right. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then, then there's a hilarious misunderstanding about French. Yes. Um, no, you can't just say that. What, he what he says mon ami and he goes, who are you calling Amy? That's it. It's good. Um, and then North Star moves fast behind them, taps mm-hmm. him on the shoulder, and then we cut several miles away. Yep. So he just taps him on the shoulder. I expect he's going to punch him, but yes. But meanwhile, two more people in the same outfits are lying injured in the jungle. Or at least one of them's injured. One of them's injured. Yeah. Right. Now, does that man turn into an aeroplane? <laughs> yes. Does he? Yeah. Like so, Otto. <laughs> so this is Mr. Jeffries. right? He's Mr. Jeffries' box. Uh, he doesn't actually turn into planes, but he is has the ability to transmute metal. Um, and uh, in the incarnate, the, pretty, the longest, probably the r- longest running but least famous iteration of box... He's uh, red and white, uh, but he can take all all sorts of crazy shapes, one of which is the spaceship-type thing that ferries Alpha Flight around. Um, And so so he um, transfers in and out of it, but he can change its shape at will. Okay. So they're romantically inclined towards each other? Yeah. So Diamond... Diamond Lil used to be a baddie. So they, so the, the, the character history here is that they were in uh, Gamma Flight together. So they, um, back when Alpha Flight was disbanded in Alpha Flight number one, 
they were the recruits that had just been brought in. Um, and uh, that's how they knew each other. Diamond Lil became a baddie, and she helped the uh, Jerry Jackson's team kill Guardian in Alpha Flight number yeah. 12. And then through history and comics and stuff, uh, Mr. Jeffrey stayed with Alpha Flight. Um, he had a romantic uh, relationship with Heather Hudson, which drifted apart, and then he became romantically entangled with Diamond Lil. Uh, and I think at this point they've been together for, I don't know, a couple of years maybe? Right. So so he turns into the, the airplane that took them there, yeah? Correct. What's the wreckage that's burning in the background? So no, so he doesn't turn into it, but he can transmute metal, and then once he's transmuted it into a shape, he um, phases into it. So he it, he's still separate from the metal, right? But what happens here? So just so like describe what happens on the page. It gets scrambled by a scrambler, and then sort of that sort of short circuits the spaceship he's in and then knocks him unconscious because he's sort of phased into it so he gets violently phased out and crashes to the earth seems a little far-fetched um probably <laughs> yeah it's not, i think I mean, so yeah it mr jeffries no secret one of my favorite characters um he has his ups and downs depending on the writer but um, at one point, he turned himself into a spaceship, and Alpha Flight went into space for three issues. So right. um, he, yeah, he's he's he, he's supposedly like a down to earth, like a salt of the earth character, who has been sort of dragged into superhero by, by accident. That, that's that's the the idea of him, and he's always got a terrible haircut as well. He does. He really does. So there's this. This is essentially a one-page um, uh, scene of them holding each other in the jungle mm-hmm. to keep to make sure that we know they're out of action and and they're not going to bother anybody else. Yes. But we turn the page and it's Wendigo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Orange so Wendigo, aka Sasquatch. He's, he's Wendigo. He should be Wendigo. It makes much more sense. So he's running through the jungle. He fills the whole panel, so you can't really see there's a jungle around him. But from context, he's coming through the jungle. It's too hot for him. He's too furry. Yeah. Uh, so he turns into a man again. Mm-hmm. Puts on the same outfit as everybody else. <laughs> Unclear yeah. where he's going. Oh, no, he does have a little, little satchel on his shoulder there. Yeah. Okay, so he's got a satchel on his shoulder. Um, turns into a man. Puts on this lovely little um, uh, number that everybody else is, and continues running through the jungle. Yes, because he's got to decommission the scrambles, the, the scram towers, common scram yeah. towers. Of course, well, yeah. he's he's got he's got tasks, he's got jobs. It's it's the weekend. He needs yeah. to do stuff. Um, and then we turn page again, and we get uh, the proctologist's view. <laughs> Um, of, I'm guessing, Heather McNeil Hudson again. Yes. Yes, same outfit. It's that particular cut of him running in the outfit at the bottom of the page, oh, page 14 yeah. um, to her on page 15 in the same outfit, both from behind. 
And also, Heather finishes his sentence as well. So if you're not paying attention, you do think that, well, he's turned back into a lady. We'll not go into when he's a lady. But he, yeah, um, it's a very gratuitous arse shot of Heather in flight. It is. Um, So, uh, yeah, yeah. and then she is pulled out of the air by animated vines. Yes. Who knew knew they they knew about that decommissioned app? For the iPhone, um, and she um, sarcastically says, "How scary!" as well. Um, she does. She's very confident that she can get out of these vines, which turn out to be made of solid steel. No, no, titanium, actually. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <and> Diablo <laughs> sitting cross-legged in the jungle. Yes, the master alchemist. He just he just gives himself a night. They have met. As yeah. he says, uh, but he introduces himself again anyway. Um, this is where I, I kind of thought to myself, oh, he, there's definitely some Kirby or some Ditko in there. Mm. Um, but he ties her up like it's a George Perez comic. Um, and she insults him while she's tied up. And then he turns the vines or causes the vines to kind of sweat hydro- hydrochloric acid. Yes. On her. When suddenly, from off panel, a voice says, "That's quite enough, friend." Yep. Can't have you killing off team leader. We're over the page, and here is black suit Spider-Man, weapon Omega, kicking um, Diablo in the face like the cover promised us. Yeah. Uh, but it's obviously a completely different. Um, yeah. Situation. Yeah. Um, uh, with for some reason the the sound effect of him kicking Diablo in the face is plonk. I have that in my notes. <laughs> I did notice that it's it's not. I mean, I can't say I've kicked a lot of people in the face. <laughs> no. But I can't imagine plonk would be the the sound it would make. It makes you wonder what his what kind of shoes he's wearing. <laughs> yeah. Um, like is the sound maybe a clog would make? Possibly, or or maybe a, a very sodden, yeah. like moccasin. I don't know. Um, but while uh, Diablo has been uh, is getting kicked in such an odd way, um, he uh, looks like he doesn't become unconscious, but he's distracted enough that the vines go back to normal. Yeah, and. Heather McNeil Hudson can uh, snap her way out of it. Um, Diablo sort of comes to and says, is he with you? And she says, so it would seem, as Weapon Omega uh, looks on from above. Yeah. Weirdly, I don't know. I can't work out how he's standing on that little hill. It's, well, it it is. Maybe there's a hole up there. It's it's interesting. But then he jumps off it at it while... Answering this possibly the silliest question in in the comic, which <laughs> when Diablo just says, uh, "What are your superpowers, by the way, pal? Uh, do you do this, this, or that?" Uh, and he goes, "Ah, it's none of that." Yeah. Um, and then, so th- this is where I had a, a problem. <laughs> this is yeah. where I had one of my many problems. Yeah. So, Weapon Omega threatens Diablo with um, bruising. 
Fable says... Severe bruising. Severe bruising, this is true. Uh, and he says, um, ah, I'm always prepared. Take my explosive cloak as an example. While waving his, uh, his arms in the air. But as we've established, I hope, he's yeah. not got a cloak. He's no. got ribbons that come out of his armpits. <laughs> which, now that I think about it, could be long armpit hair. The, um, I do, uh, looking at the character sheet, it's part of his shoulder pads. Yeah, how disappointing! Yeah. Well, don't don't ruin my fantasy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. He flaps his armpit here. Yeah. Uh, and it makes a thwomp noise. For thwomp. The way that it's drawn, it, um, if that didn't have anything on it other than the thwomp, it looks like that. Um, Sound effect has been placed to hide something. <laughs> anyway, this explosive, this explosive cloak knocks uh, Weapon Omega, uh, who still hasn't introduced himself, by the way. No. Um, he, he tumbles backwards, but it's caught by um, Heather McNeil Hudson. Um, and then he introduces himself while she sort of holds him aloft. Yes. I'm Department, Department H Field Operative Weapon Omega. And she says, welcome to Alpha Flight, which seems to be quite a laissez-faire way to get into Alpha Flight. Just introduce yourself, but who am I to judge? Yeah, and also they get, the way that they're holding each other in these few frames is uh, kind of, it looks like they're about to get it on, essentially, to me. Well, I mean, not in those suits. Well, depending on on your particular um, preferences, um, this maybe. is true. He is in he is in what I can only assume is head to toe leather. So, yeah, true. Yeah. Again, um, I shan't judge. Sorry, I shan't judge. And anyway, over the page explosion. Uh, Diablo is he says, "Children, please." Um, I, I assume he's just being a dick, and this isn't um, some plot twist I don't know about. Um, no, it's not. No, yeah. unless it is. I don't know. I haven't read oh. the next issue, so. Uh, it could so, uh, is there no end to his resources? Says Weapon Omega. Um, she said, she announces what she's going to do, which is um, do an EM blast, an electromagnetic blast, I guess. Probably. Um, yeah. Uh, which Diablo um, alters the electrical charge in the air around them, um, uh, incapacitating the both of them and putting them in a big plastic bubble. Yes. And then, oddly, mysteriously, the sound of clapping comes as the jungle parts, almost like... um. Uh, Blastonbury Grove in Twin Peaks, the curtains part over the jungle. Yeah. And behind the trees, or coming from behind these kind of weird curtains, um, there are uh, eight people who are representatives from the most powerful countries in the world. Yes. Uh, giving, giving a wee clap as he gives a bow. It's quite nice, really. Um, yeah, because uh, so we, we're slowly learning why the the international community sorry i think we maybe glossed over that um, i think Alpha did. Flight when, had... they were, um, when they were hugging themselves what the the man that turned into a plane yes um alpha flight 
um, are there covertly on behalf of the Canadian government because the rest of the world governments aren't taking any action over Diablo uh, like for, uh, um, taking over this country. And they want to know why, so they're sneaking in to find out what's going on. Uh, and now we find eight representatives. It's not ambassadors, just... No, just representatives. People. Yeah, they're, they're not even... Beaches. There's one guy with enormous arms. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, and, and then on the bleachers, one of them whispers to the other, why, you know, what, what's, what is it that we're so uh, intent on dealing with this person about? And the answer is vibranium, mm -hmm. the made-up metal from Marvel. That yes. is Captain America's shield. Yeah, and everything in Wakanda. Okay. Okay. Um, and then uh, he, he appears in the puff and says, ha ha, yes, let's go over the rules for talking in the ranks, which is a joke, which I suppose, I think is supposed to me be a threat. Yeah, so I think the idea is that the, the guy that said this bloke is a total raving lunatic of a madman, well, I assume it's supposed to be English mm -hmm. or Australian because he says bloke is actually Diablo in disguise, tricking someone into talking even though they're not supposed to. That would make sense. Well, sort of. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then we return to Northstar and the Whirlwind. The Whirlwind, the man with the stick. Um, uh, yeah. And they're having a good old uh, fight. Yeah. Uh, Lots of whapping. North, uh, North Star uh, causes uh, Whirlwind, who has buzz saws on, on the back of his hands, and cut down a whole load of um, trees. Um, this is the, I, I like this a lot. So the idea is that um, he causes Whirlwind to knock down a whole load of trees, um, which forms a dam on the lake that's, that's made of vinegar which cuts off from the other water um, that is being controlled by Diablo. And so yes. the water goes back to normal. Okay? Yeah, straight away. That's Absolutely. not a dam. No. If you look at that, that's a pile of sticks on the side of, <laughs> on the, side of the lake. It's not blocking <laughs> two bodies of water. <laughs> uh, correct, yeah. Yeah, it's just like some sticks. So um, anyway... Maybe he just tricks him. Maybe it's maybe it just happens anyway. Um, but they continue the fight, um, and Northstar goes into the water. Uh, yeah, and he's scared that he's. I mean, he's scared that it's still going to be vinegar and it's going to get into his wounds. But then he's like, "Oh no, it's just water. I'm all right." Yes, Whirlwind's like headbutted um, a big old. Uh, tree or, or a rock or something yeah um and then he kind of just seems to disappear after that um but yeah the lake goes back to normal is the, the main crux of what's going on in this page mm -hmm. um all the refugees they cheer agua he well actually he uh, north star shouts agua and they and they say yes it is water well done thank you water thank you and he yeah. says I've exhausted my knowledge of the Spanish language. But, I mean, they only literally say one, two, three, four words. So yeah. it's not too much for him to know. And then we have a very strange sequence. And 
I mean, do you want to explain to me exactly? <laughs> so, a refugee, a refugee lady hands a baby to North Star. He's, st- he's still standing in the lake. He's still in the lake. He crouches and spoons some water into the baby via his hand. Not into over the baby. Not into the baby. I think he's giving it some water. I think that's the idea. Uh, see, I and, and when I went, I thought it was some kind of religious thing. I it thought he was sort coming of is a bit. So after, after he's doused, doused this baby with water, he hands it back to the crying refugee mother. Um, and mm. in this time, he's also taken off his hood, so you can see his mullet is yeah. flowing. Um, it's so this is Scott Lobdell's first issue. And I don't know... So in issue 106, there's only four away. Or is it three away, technically? Um, no, it's not. How many is it away? Oh, fucking hell, however many. <laughs> um, he, um, because he finds a baby in a bin, Northstar comes out as gay. Right, of course, yes. So this that, might that, be that. foreshadowing of Northstar liking babies. Ah, yes. uh, le petit. You have yeah. done so much suffering. I apologise on behalf of an unjust world. But also, because they... I see, Mama. They really, they really uh, ramp up because his text is all in italics. So it is. The, um, so this is clearly a very significant moment in North Star's life, or the baby's life as it's being baptised into Alpha Flight. Um, but then he just raises off. He's had enough. He does. Um, he says, thank you, uh, hands the baby back, and then rushes off in a, in, in a blur of speed lines. Spavoom. Um, spavoom, yes. But the speed lines are quite nice. I would have thought you would have uh, enjoyed the kind of no, abstract uh, of do. that. And this yeah, is awesome. sort of, the, and the roughness of the ink, not the roughness, but there's an energy to the inking which is reminiscent of Sinkovich on New Mutants, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So coming back to my previous point, where the previous issue was very Sinkovich-y, uh, this is another hint of that, I think. Yeah, so anyway, uh, he's, yeah. he rushes off into the jungle, uh, off to another scene I don't think we get to see, because we are going to the Department H Maximum Security Board. Yep. Which I guess is back in Toronto? I'd hope so, because otherwise they're sort of breaking international laws by holding up somewhere else aren't they but so so. what we have here is uh, a scene I guess setting up some subplot for something a ways down the road Mm -hmm. I don't know what yeah so there's um, two security guards in very odd (laughs) it's sort of actually that it's like a hockey goalie yeah, it's sort of henchman uniform. For some reason, in the 90s, henchman uniforms was, like, padding. Yeah. Yeah, it's an odd one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, there's a man called Headlock. Yeah. Anything? Headlock, to... Headlock with just a K, no CK. Is that, like, Deathlock? De- Deathlock. Uh, uh, well, it's spelt the same, but I'm not sure yeah. if, it's, if he's related. Are they Are they related? Mm, I know there's a time travel thing, so it could be like an early version. I don't know. I genuinely I don't know. Don't know. 
But we find out that he was defeated by Alpha Flight and the Fantastic Four in Alpha Flight 96. Okay. Which I've not read. Um, yeah, it, and, might, it might uh, be in a pile upstairs. Yeah, so he's um, he's got a psionic damper, so uh, they're all like, hoo-hoo, let's hope that doesn't cut during our shift, which doesn't bode much confidence, and they're like, it's definitely going to cut out at some point. Yeah. But anyway, back in his cell, he's speaking in a, uh, a very sand manny um, kind of speech bloom. Yeah. And there's a lady in his cell, and he is, I guess, just worrying her. Uh, she yes. looks terrified. Who is she? That's Aurora. That's Northstar's sister. Okay. Now, is she the one that disappeared when she was in, um, like, uh, Catholic school? Yes. Yeah, same one, yeah. She has yeah. two personalities. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and she hasn't him. had two personalities for a while, but she's, for some reason, she's now locked in a cell with headlock. I, I don't know why. It, it seems a bad way to run a maximum security ward. Yeah, you would have thought so. Um, just briefly as well, on those guards, they have the look of the creators of the comic being drawn into the comic. There's just something about them. I, but I can't put my finger on, on who who would be who. Oh, I don't know who they are either, they, but they definitely have that look. Um, but they don't give them... They don't names. give them names, no. No. So... Anyway, H's on the hats. Surprise. Right? H for hockey. It's Canada. <laughs> um, so we're back with, oh, it could be any of the members of Alpha Flight, but I think it's Wendigo. Um, in his lovely um, black one piece. Yes. As he um, attempts to fix satellite TV. That's how Rod Hull went. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, to any international listeners, you'll have to Google Rodhull. Um, yes, so he is uh, working on disabling all of the scrambling towers, but at once. So he's going to bomb them all at once. Uh-huh. Well, uh, wiping off uh, some of the, the mud on the side of it, he finds out who's manufactured them. Yeah. Uh, it's Roxon. Yeah, bloody Roxon, isn't it? All the right. time. Ugh. Ugh really want to write a Marvel comic one day called Rocks On, Dommy. That means me. Uh, so Rocks On are like the um, uh, all-purpose corporate, uh, evil corporation, aren't they? So yeah, when, yeah. whenever they need uh, an evil corporation, it's Rocks On. Um, yeah. And um, just as he uh, discovers this, Ormp, Ormp even, yep. right back, a shield. Shumped. Shumped. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's not your Captain America shield, although it looks a lot like it. Who is it? It's Captain America in black. It's a US agent, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Don't very know. muscly. Very, very big. muscly. Also, apparently, aided by the ghost of Sasquatch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't know why they've drawn it like this. It does. Ugh. But this is the the. Sasquatch is laughing because he's like, oh, I'm going to beat up US agent in a second. Yeah. Um, uh, this, is a very, this is a very uh, salacious looking panel to me. <laughs> I don't I don't want to hurt you too much. No. Do anything it's fine. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yes, he doesn't do anything quietly. Yeah. And then the issue closes with um, uh, Walter Langowski in his cell suit, ready to turn into Sasquatch, whose spirit is laughing in the background, saying, on three then, one, yep. two, and then, next issue, need we next say, issue. an all-out battle between Sasquatch and the US agent, more on the mystery weapon of mystery of weapon Omega and the fate of Aurora. So, I mean, yeah. there, there, there has been no mystery of weapon Omega other than he's a man that wears a mask, which in a comic full of people wearing masks isn't much of a mystery. No. I'm um, sure it's going to be he's going to be somebody from their past that they I don't, don't think uh, he is. I, I don't think he is. Be. He's bound to be. Uh, maybe. Somebody from, okay. from their past. So here's the thing. I don't know who Weapon Omega is. Um, when <laughs> I mentioned this issue on Twitter, some of uh, some of the friends of the podcast were like, oh, I love Weapon Omega. He was brilliant. I'm ashamed to say. So he's obviously got that sort of... He's one of those 90s characters with... Essentially, I think he's going to be a bit of a Wolverine, maybe. Not with the claws, but, you know, that sort of rough-edged, cool guy thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get... I, I get. I, like I said, I think he's he's somebody from the past, not knowing him either. Um, well, because the cover says we things? won't believe who it's going to be. Well, you won't, you won't believe who it's going to be. But no. then the cover also made his promises, and, you know, that didn't happen. No. And There's not a single door in this issue. So she's strapped to what looks like a door. There isn't even a door in the issue. No. Well, no there's, the door, there's the door in the um, the maximum security ward, but we know she's not there. No, hang on. If you have a look, you don't ever see an actual door. No, that's a door. That's what they're looking at the... The guy through it's a door. There's Is a it? very yeah, I think so. Oh, I thought it was just like a little window thing. Maybe it's a door, but there's no. Well, I don't think. It, uh, I don't know. But that's the, uh, that's the cl- that's the closest thing we get to a door, and Heather is thousands of miles away from it. So, uh, yeah. We should say what happens on the page after the last page, because, because it's very it really, good. really, really um, drives home the, the level of quality that we're dealing with here. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I like this. Yeah. The page after the final page of issue 102 is the credit page for issue 100, which had been missing <laughs> from issue 100. Yeah, um, where we get. Uh, so apparently, I haven't. I've got uh, issue 100 upstairs. I haven't read it, but um, apparently, the conceit of it was that they were going to get back all of the old Alpha Flight writers and artists, and they'd all work on the comic together. Okay, and so there's no down... Mike Bola and there's no John Byrne. No, exactly. So um, it's a, it's a, it is a list of people who have worked on the comic, um, but none of the really good ones. Um, uh, wait, wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna codify that because I don't know some of these names. Uh, Tom Morgan, for instance, he did he did uh, like eight pages of issue 100. I didn't hate his drawing in this. Um, June Brigman, she's got a very sort of like stilted fashion-ish style, but I quite liked her stuff. But I don't remember Michael Bear. Oh, John Callamy. Uh, I've I've got time for John Callamy. But the writing was just Fabian Nice Geezer. Um, and I don't recognise the 
Incas, other than Chris Ivey, and that's only because he did this one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the lettering is always by Jonathan Chang, and the colouring is always by Bob Sharon. So, yeah, but they missed out Sal Buscema, they missed out John Byrne, they missed out Bill Mantlow. I don't suppose they could have had Bill Mantlow because he wasn't very well by now. But, um, yeah, they missed out some pretty big names. Uh, Jim Lee <laughs> was... <laughs> so they couldn't get Jim Lee back. Um, yeah. But I do like... Oh, like, maybe I had a hard time working out who did what on issue 100. Well, guess what? <laughs> We're here to remind you. I mean, it would have been difficult because people aren't doing a bl- that many blocks. It's like... Six to eight and thirty to thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah. Those poor people who, who read our issue hundred at time. If only they'd had Twitter, they'd have been so angry. Yeah, they'd have been. Marvel republished this issue. Well, it sort of it reminds me of um a fire kind the John Smith two thousand eight oh, thing, where they just <laughs> forgot to print one of the episodes and then tucked it in a few weeks later as like a bonus. No, it's it's, it's after it's after the end of the final issue. The final episode. So yeah. it's in the the eleven epi- episodes. They miss out episode five, uh, so it runs to 11, episode eleven, and then five is the director's cut and yeah. uh, the subsequent issue. Yeah, which is is weird because it make it the, like the gap between the other two issues doesn't make any sense without five in there. So yeah, but I mean, if if you'd been reading Smith, you'd you'd read. Um, his uh, tyrant, what is it? Uh, soft bodies. Yeah. Tyranny Rick's one that makes practically no sense anyway. So. Oh, and so, so what? You'd have had the Isagiri variations by then as well, which uh, is yep. absolute. Is very difficult to read. I um, kind of pl- put some of the blame for that at Mike Hadley's um, uh, feet, but there you go. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but unfortunately, this isn't a John Smith podcast. This is oh, an okay. Alpha Flight podcast, okay. and John Smith, unfortunately, never wrote an issue of Alpha Flight. No, he did some X-Men. Maybe, that, maybe we could suggest him for it. If they, I think they might be gearing up for a reboot. I think we could suggest John Smith for an annual. I think so. I think that would work. I'll, I'll get in contact with, with the people upstairs. Um, I mean, the people upstairs here is my wife, and she doesn't give a shit, but... Um, well, at, at no, she could she could raise a fuss. She could sit, she could write a letter, send it, put it in the post box. She could do, uh, or just the mail at work, um, whichever is closest. Um, so that was Alpha Flight number hundred and two. It was. So was there anything that you particularly liked or particularly disliked about the issue? Well, I mean, or... I I enjoyed it. However, it's trash. Uh, there was nothing really good about it, was there? <laughs> well, that's it, right? Because I read this and I was like, oh, God, Douglas is going to really lay into this. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I enjoyed it enough that I was ready to go on to the next one. Some issues of Alpha Flight, I get through them and I'm like, oh, I never want to read what... I don't care what's happening around this issue. I don't care who this new character is. I just want it to be over and this one I was like I want to find out what's going on with Diablo I want to know <laughs> do you know what I mean like I was interested I'm not that fussed about Weapon Amiga but um, yeah I was I, I was ready for the next one so although it's it's nonsense and it's, it's dashed off and it's just like 
Scott Loddell trying to prove that he liked Alpha Flight. Um, I quite liked it. I enjoyed reading it. Uh, I, I, I remembered something about Scott Loddell. Is Scott Loddell the writer who, on Wildcats, gave Ta Travis Charest a script that just said fight scene for six pages? <laughs> I uh, don't so, know. So Travis Charest, in, in response, just like drew like a transformer in it, a sports car, a dinosaur, <laughs> like all kinds of stuff that just doesn't make any sense. And we're like, we're a script over that now. I feel that that might have been Scott Lobdell, but maybe this is this is put me against him. This and the, the issues of Al, uh, Excalibur I've been reading. Yes. Um, I So I've found a Google page that says Scott Lobdell, Travis Cheerist, Wildcats Run. So it very well could be. Um, but I don't know. Um, I wouldn't want to have to read the entire thing right now to let you know. <laughs> um, just yeah. edit in just edit in you've, uh, you've the, the fruits of your research <laughs> I'm scrolling through I, I've not read Wildcats before but uh, the art looks quite nice uh, Travis Charest yeah he's alright he's the second best uh, Wildcats artist who's the first oh uh, I couldn't possibly comment okay <laughs> Who that looks like Mark Buckingham, maybe. Oh, really? I don't know. I'm just at because it reminds me of um, Death at High Cost of Living, the way that the face has been inked. But I don't, I'm, I'm just guessing. Uh, I'm certainly no expert when it comes to things like that. Uh, yeah, sorry, you were saying? Uh, no, I wasn't saying. However, um, yeah, no, I mean, it was very much, um, here's the first issue, plonk your, um, your readers down in a situation you're not going to be familiar with. It, it, it did very much feel like um, a comic by numbers in a lot of ways. Um, okay. I, I didn't get a lot of feel for, you know, there's something strange going on here or, or unique. Um, although, I, you know, I had fun with it. Yeah. Um, I think my uh, Mark Buckingham thing was way off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, never mind. Um, I th maybe I could just go, like look for back, but no, it's not in the in the article anywhere. So I was wrong. That's that's fine. I'm used to it now. Um, okay, so I didn't actually let you say if there's anything you particularly didn't like. Particularly didn't like. Um, I, I, I didn't like they all had the same suit on. I understand it from a, a, a plot point, but. Um, <laughs> You know, a plot perspective that yes, they're undercover. But, yeah, I, I, I can mean, see. I can see how a non-alpha flight reader would have trouble with it. I, I didn't have any problems with it at all. I didn't notice. I, I, I got that they were all in the same, same costume, but it didn't phase me. Um, I knew who they all were. So. Yeah, I mean, I liked the curtains in the jungle. I thought that was nice. Uh, <laughs> and I liked the sort of the opening sequence has a yeah. kind of disgusting bravura that the rest of the comic doesn't really have um no i like diablo as a baddie there's a certain over-the-topness and ridiculousness to him uh and he's obviously a maniac and i enjoy that um yeah i like diablo as a baddie and i have done when he's appeared in alpha flight in previous issues as well 
Yeah, he's that certain kind of um, he's like like um, Raul Julia in Street Fighter, that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just on, so coming back briefly to Heather's gratuitous ass. Yeah. Uh, back from. Uh, page I mean, it's, not, it, it, it's the 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 drawing that's gratuitous. I mean, she needs it to keep her legs on. So. No, I know, I know. Uh, I meant the drawing, but it, it's actually weirdly. Me and Ken recorded an episode the other night about issue two, uh, and this panel actually reminds me of a John Byrne panel from that issue where Snowbird is just uncharacteristically flying away from the the camera, as it were, um, just so you could draw her ass, apparently. Um, so yeah, it reminded me of that, and it was another part of my Scott Lobdell letting everyone know that he's read Alpha Flight. <laughs> but whether or not he had any influence on the drawing, I don't know. Uh, I think probably not. My feeling is that he, he writes very broad outlines let yeah. the artist do it and then then fills in the dialogue afterwards yeah but That's apparently explains the, the sort of um uh how the scenes feel very capsule like yeah so you, you move you, you move from one scene to another without a lot of um kinda, there's not much of a flow to it it's like here's a scene at this point in the jungle back we go to um uh, the headquarters with Pop. Yeah. Here's another scene in the jungle with different characters. We're, now we've got rid of those for the, the issue. Let's move on to a different part of the jungle. You know, it, everything's very much capsulized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, sort of uh, mutterings on the internet just that Scott Lobdell um, wanted Alpha Flight. He, he uh, campaigned for it and he had ideas that he wanted to do with it. So... Um, whether or not he took more of an interest in the script for this, I, I couldn't say. Um, but yeah, Scott Lobdell, uh, but I think we've talked about that. Yeah, we're probably mean enough about him. <laughs> um, I've read a bunch of his X-Men comics, probably. Um, and I think he was writing the X-Men when in issues that you'd, like, you know, you'd kind of try and read very quickly. I, yeah, I, I keep on buying the... Um, uh, epic collections because yeah. they're, they're quite cheap on on Coxology. Right. So you get one for like a five or five hundred pages of comics. It's like twenty five issues or something. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll work my way through different runs and um, yeah, I, I can't remember anything. I think he wrote a bunch of Superman, which I haven't read because uh, I've read very very little Superman, uh, and he. When Alpha Flight was rebooted for Volume Three, he was the writer and sort of creative architect for that, and it was it was awful. So <laughs> um, that's my experience of Scott Lobdell. Uh, I'm sure he's, he's nice. I don't know. Um, well, I do know that he's terrible at accents. <laughs> on the uh, or Scottish accents, he did some other Excalibur, Excalibur or possibly New Mutants. Right. Uh, and I used to be very good at typing them up. There's a, a Tumblr I had, which was called, it's called Joxploitation, which is just bad uh, mentions of Scotland yeah. or bad Scottish accents in comics. And most of them X Men comics, to be fair, or Strontium Dog. Yeah. Um, and Lobdell <laughs> was consistently one of the worst. Right. 
Um, well, yeah, because Alan Grant is famously bad for him. Um, and like, he's good at doing them because he's Scottish. Um, he's good at doing them. Wagner, uh, John Wagner's good at doing them. Yeah. Um, and then there's a very <laughs> there's a precipitous drop off. Garth Ennis is all right at doing them. Yeah. Um, who's bad? Sizebury is bad at doing them. Um, uh, Doug was it Doug Munch or? There's, there's somebody who did one. Uh, there's a story that pops up. There's an Avamparel issue called Sweetwater Nessie. And it's <laughs> full of like, stuff. It's, it's, you know, genuinely bizarre things I've never, ever heard anybody in Scotland say. Um, Claremont's not good at them, but he's not good at any accents. So that's, yeah. It's part of the course. Uh, Ellis is poor. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the sort of thing I, uh, if I wrote proper comics i'd never try and do accents i don't think um i don't i don't know uh, well i suppose writing what you know i'd just write myself over and over and over and over again <laughs> in different bodies you, you like a warren ellis comic <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> um okay so uh, we've spoken for about an hour an hour and a bit now so um I think that's as much as we can expect anybody to listen to. <laughs> Probably. Um, Unless we're talking about just one panel. I, I don't know. Because uh, I'm on page 11 where um, Whirlwind um, attacks North Star. And I could, I don't know, could talk for five minutes about that panel. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, but I'm not going to. Cause but that's, two panel, that's, that's two panels bolted together in a really unattractive way <laughs> because panel one overlaps on a panel two the panel two overlaps on a panel one yeah that's yeah that's that's hard on the eye and that that's whap, like whap, whap sound effect is yeah it's like mc escher it's... <laughs> <laughs> um right so douglas yes if anybody would like to find you on the internet where could they do that? And have you got anything in particular that you'd like to uh, promote? Yes. Yeah, if they were to find me, they can probably find me by Googling Douglas Noble. It's easy uh, to do that. Uh, I'm also on Twitter as Douglas Noble. Uh, and this week, I have a new comic out with Paul John Milne uh, called Unfinished Fights, The Fight at the Wedding. Oh, is it out this week? Which it's out this week, yes. Oh, wow. Well, it's so this week, the week that this podcast comes out, I assume. So next week, but this week, um, uh, yes. Yeah, so the uh, Wednesday, the twenty third, something like that, twenty second, twenty third. Um, yeah. So it's uh, an adaptation of the fight between the centaurs and the lapiths from Ovid's Metamorphosis. Okay. Uh, it's grand. Um, blustery fun good I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh yeah and um okay and where could people buy that if when they want to they can buy it um if they google me they'll find my website which is strip for me.com with hyphens between strip and four and four and me yeah um but uh yeah like i said google it or go to twitter uh, find me on there and i'll be undoubtedly shouting about it for the next couple of weeks so you'll find it quick enough um and then next month i'll have 
hopefully, issue three of Black Leather with Sean Azapardi. So uh, the third issue of um, a 1980 set um, folk horror story about uh, rock and roll um, motorbikes um, and the uh, the glory of uh, teenage years. <laughs> Good. Right. So and then, then oh, go on. And then <laughs> yeah. month after that, hopefully, Jazz Creepers two. Okay. So when's that out? In July. In July. That's the hope. Good. So I've got a lot of work to do then. <laughs> uh, luckily, I don't have to. I know what I'm going to do. I just need to to actually draw it. So. Uh, uh, yeah, it's gross. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, good. Right. Uh, is there anything else? What's coming out in August? Um, August will probably be... Hold on. Uh, it'll be another issue of Black Black Leather, Black Leather 4. <laughs> okay. And then uh, September will be Other Horrible Folk. Okay, good. So... <laughs> Yeah, you're very organised in busyness, whereas this, I'm very disorganised in business. For some reason, this year I am. That's good. Um, right, so um, my stuff, if you want to find me on the internet, I am uh, G-R-T-H-I-N-K, Gerthink, you can Google that. Uh, and that's who I am on Twitter and Instagram. Um, my latest book, Petricor, came out in January via Good Comics. You can buy it from their website at Good Comics, which is one word, .co.uk. Um, I also have a store which is gerthink.bigcartel.com and it's got some of my older comics on there and if you're in the mood for it, Found, for, uh, Found Forest Floor is available for Kindle on the Amazon website. So if you go on amazon.co.uk or amazon.com and search for Found Forest Floor and get that on Kindle. Um, in July, I am part of the Young Blood Initiative Showcase for this year. This year, we the theme is uh, the Infinite Wheel of Time. All the artists are responding on themes about repetition and um, uh, things returning to source. So um, I'm doing a bunch of drawings for that. And um, I think that's it. I think I've managed to get through it so smoothly enough that it feels like I've forgotten something, but I haven't. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, leave them wanting more. Um, they, I'll tell you what, they can fill up on what I've got at the moment, <laughs> and if they want more after that, I'll, I'll sort something out. Um, uh, oh, yeah, and so um, what I am planning to do and whether or not I get around to it or whether or not I change my mind about whether it's a good idea is to release a second podcast feed, which will just be like the little weird projects that I want to do, which aren't directly, uh, I can't link somehow to Alpha Flight. So uh, in the next week or so, I'm hopefully going to put up the recording of The Exploding Mess. So uh, that's a comic that I made with, it's supposed to be with just my daughter, but my son shoehorned his way into it and it's the recording of me trying to get Martha to write a script which eventually turned into the text of the comic The Exploding Mess so it'll be if you you can download it for free on the internet by um, I think the, the quickest place to go to is the Abstract Comics blog which is abstractcomics 
blogspot.com um, and it'll be a read-along thing if if people are in the mood for it if not it's fine yeah but i'm paying for this bloody podcast so i may as well exploit it as best i can um and if anybody has any ideas for one-off podcasts they want to do then they can use my feed i guess um yeah right that's it i think um thank you very much douglas for coming on and talking about this excellent comic and never a chore and um, hopefully listeners will return again for whenever it is I do another exciting episode of Alpha Thank you very much. Here we go. We're done. Yeah. Lovely.